This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen. Alright, so we are on, I believe this is the sixth session of Dating on Purpose in our premarital class. Um, And this should be our final session for my portion. Um, But let me go ahead and tell you all something. You know, we've been talking about dating and courting, and there's a lot more that's involved with these. So stick around in this series, right? Because after this, we're going to talk about the intimacy that you can build up before marriage. What is proper to build up before marriage? The things that you need to have in place before you start courting, before you start getting into marriage. You know, not just not just the spiritual things, but the the, the natural things as well. Your financial responsibilities, because having a family is a responsibility. All right, it's not just something you can just decide to hop into. As you as you've been seeing, listen, it's there's season and times for everything, and we have to allow God to walk us through these seasons and times. Let Him hold your hand. That's what a father's for. That's what a good father's for. Let him hold your hand. Let him walk you through these Because he makes things beautiful in his time. Remember, we learned about dispensations of time. God dispensates time as he sees fit. Because he knows what you need, what time you need to make things beautiful. And why does he want us to make things beautiful? Because he has a purpose. He has a purpose for all of us. And there's not one area of your life that's going to act outside of his purpose. And that includes your dating. That includes your relationships. So in this premarital course, we have been trying to figure out, we're trying to discover what is dating? What is dating opposed to courting? What is a relationship? Who can we date? How can we date? And hopefully we've answered some of these questions for you. And we're going to dig a little bit deep further into it uh, this week because we were on how can you date. We were talking about accountability. But we're going to get back there. Let's do a quick review. So one thing that I have to say is what marriage is. I want to keep this in your mind because this is premarital class. What is is marriage? Marriage is an institution created by God whereby two rational, free moral agents, man and a woman, who are born again, choose to enter covenant with another imperfect person for a lifetime. I, I, I didn't emphasize this the last time I said it, but it's for a lifetime. See, that's what covenant is. That's what a commitment is. See, that's why you have to consider these things and listen to these things and allow God to walk you through them step by step because it's a lifetime. So whatever you, whatever you marry into, remember, it's a lifetime of that. So if you're in a relationship, you know, and it hasn't been built off what we've been talking about, kingdom relationships, if it hasn't been built off of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, it's just, if it's always built off, off of baggage and, and, and undependability and, and unfaithfulness and things like that, then guess what? You have a lifetime of it. See, this is what God wants to save you from. We have those instant gratification feelings, you know, but I need this here, I need this right now, and God is like, but I have something so much better for you. If you just wait on the Lord. Because uh, remember what we said, you have to allow the Lord to build the house. You have to allow the Lord to keep the city. Otherwise, you're going to eat the bread of sorrows. And the bread of sorrows, what is that? Those are the, result, the results of decisions you made outside of God's will. And, and any decision you make outside of His will is going to always bring you sorrow. I can guarantee you that. It's going to always bring you sorrow. But those who walk in the Spirit, those who are led by the Spirit, those are the children of God. And we know that the children of God, their their food, what He has for them, 
It's healing. That's the children's bread. It's not the bread of sorrows. Like I said, God wants to save you. He's not trying to punish you. He wants to save you. And it's so amazing in that scripture, in Psalm 127, that he, he said he gives his children rest. Now, we know who his children are because his bride is the church. So we are his children, the one who walk in the Spirit. He gives his children rest. The ones who, the ones who believe and trust in him. Why? Because if, if his child has rest and then they get into a relationship with another child that has rest, then guess what? Their children are going to have rest. We're talking about kingdom trends. Remember, it said in Psalm 128, your children's children will see the blessing of the Lord. So he wants us to build kingdom relationships based off righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Which means that our relationships need to be, the, the ones that we're pursuing, you know, the, the people that we're constantly dating, the ones that we look to court, the ones that we look to marry, it means they have to be believers. That's the first prerequisite. Because remember, all this still fits into God's purpose. How, a husband, a husband supposed to love his wife as, as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. If your husband can't do that, then how is it fitting into God's purpose? How can the world know that the Father sent the Son if you can't even love your, your wife perfectly? And I say perfectly as to what the Lord has delivered to you. So again, the commandment for the believers is that we need to, don't forsake the assembly of the upright. These are the people you need to date. So we can develop the kingdom of God in us. How? Again, by being an example of the believer. In word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. A living example to each other. That's how you edify each other. That's how you build up, that's how you correct each other. When somebody does something wrong and they see that somebody that, they, that they're involved with doing, the, doing it the right way, you don't even have to tell them. Your life can speak. An example of somebody that loves God more than they love you. An example of somebody who's intimate with God and can build intimacy with you based off of righteousness, peace, and joining the Holy Ghost. That's true intimacy. Because, see, that's headed to a purpose. Did you, let me tell you this. Sex between a husband and wife is righteous in God's eyes. <laughs> because it's towards his purpose. <laughs> see, it's, it's when you start getting that little, the little, little bitty, little bitty twinges from the world in that you start hearing that word sex and you're like, something's wrong with it. That's because you've been, you've been, You've been affected by the world's thought process. You've started to make a friend of the world. And we know what happens when you start to make a friend of the world. You start to do the things that they, that they make seem is okay with your flesh. That's why you find those people to hang out with that say things are okay with your flesh. Like Amnon did Jonadab. He had a friend. And why was this his close friend? Because Jonadab knew what type of flesh that, that Amnon had. And Amnon knew that Jonadab had the answer to get his, his, his lust uh, and his desires fulfilled. So that's who I hang with. That's my friend. I'm making a close relationship with the world because I know the world will make my lust and desires seem okay. And that's a dangerous place to be, to be for a believer because we know what's right in God's eyes. All you have to do is pick up the word. 
but it's always about what we feel. It's always, like I said, that instant gratification. What can we get right now? Because that's what he wanted from Tamar and right there. I love my sister, and I need something from her. But as soon as he raped her, that love word went out the door. Making a friend of the world. So, being, being in league or in bed with the world so long that only you and God know that you're saved. We saw that in the life of Samson. We saw from the beginning of it, see, this is a trend. We're talking about kingdom trends, but this is a different trend. This is a trend where, where you're always going to something outside. It's called unequally yoked. Outside of the will of God. We saw Samson went to the Philistines who worshipped Dagon, who, who worshipped Dagon with homosexuality, sacrifices, prostitution, all those things. And then he went over there to get him a wife. And yeah, we saw at the beginning it was, it was to, to, to bring an occasion to the Philistines, but it wasn't his first time. And that same thing followed him throughout his whole life. Not being able to truly do what he needed to do for God until the end. Until he was penitent. Until he was repentant. Until he died to self. But who wants to live their whole life? Like I said, if you're, if you're unequally yoked your whole life, you got a lifetime of it. Samson had a lifetime of it. All the way up to the end. And again, like I said, he's a faithful man in the Bible. It calls him Faithful. He does turn to God. He does die to himself eventually. But let me tell you something. Samson had to eat the bread of sorrows. Samson had to eat the bread of sorrows when God had something totally different. For, listen, it was planned before he was born. He was consecrated to God. Unequally yoked. Coming into agreement with, with the spirit that is not in agreement with Christ. An unprofitable spirit. An idle spirit. And, and again, I, I have to say it, the reason you do it is because it's okay with your lust. Every, the Bible says it in James. Every man is drawn away with his own lust and enticed. And the enemy knows. But don't... These are the times where you have to have... We talked about... Uh, Pastor Hill was talking about it on Sunday. You have to have endurance. Perseverance, because I, I know it's tough. I know it's hard. Uh, and let me encourage you a bit more. Jesus put on the likeness of flesh. He put it on. He knows your infirmities. He knows what you face. He knows what you're going through. But Jesus Christ is the righteous. And we need to build our relationship off of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So what you need to do is you need to wash and bathe yourself with Jesus. With the word of God. Especially in those times when, when your flesh is acting up. You need to speak it loud. See, you tie this back to, to uh, spiritual warfare. The sword of the spirit is very useful right now. Speak it out your mouth. Hey, speak it around the people you're around. Because if they're not good with it, they're going to move around. See, that's why you need to be dating believers. So we got to this point last week. How do we date to build kingdom relationships? And we said we have to have accountability. And so what did we say accountability was? We said it's to take account 
and be responsible or answerable for the decisions and actions you make in life. But then we said, but responsible to who? Who you give an account to? And we know that answer is to God. Accountability is your commitment to God. It's your commitment to his people. It's your commitment to his standard. And it's your commitment to his assignment for you. Because if you're not accountable, let me tell you, any little thing, whether it be sex, whether it be alcohol, whether it be drinking, it'll pull you off your assignment for him. Any relationship that's not, not, not rooted and grounded in, in righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost, it'll pull you off your assignment. The enemy will make sure of that. But when you make yourself personally accountable to God, that's when building up happens, healing happens, restoration happens. And remember what we said, healing is the children's bread. That's why we went to Ruth last week. We saw what happened with, with Naomi, Ruth, and Orpah, how all their husbands died. And it's so amazing to me because Naomi, you know what she did? She told them that they should stay, and she started appealing to their appetites. Because here's the thing about Ruth. Did you know she had a sexual appetite before? She was married. So here's the thing she did different than Samson did. She died to herself way before the end. She died to herself way before the end of her life. And God said, oh, you're going to make yourself accountable to me now? Not waiting to, to appeal your, uh, please your face. Because, again, she's had sex before. And then she told, uh, Naomi told, uh, uh, told Ruth, well, you can stay here. You can get you another husband, have children, this and that. But she said, no, no, no. Your people are going to be my people. Your God is going to be my God. Because remember, she was a Moab. She was a Moabite. They worshipped Kanash. Another, and listen, the Moabite women were known for prostitution. This is what she could go back to. Naomi gave her the words in the ear, and, and Orpah was like, okay, I'm going to go. But Ruth said, mm, I died to myself a long time ago. Uh, I'm going with your God. I've seen God in your life. And I want to read a little bit about that as well. Because see, Ruth, she had that total commitment. She, she had a resolute mind. And that's what you have to have. If you're going to date biblically, biblically you, have to have a resolute, you have to have your mind made up. That I'm not going back to the ways of this world. Let's turn to Ruth. And I'm going to go to Ruth chapter 2. And I'm going to read verse 8 through 12. Because I got here last week and I didn't really get to finish it. But I told you the reason why Boaz stepped into the life of Ruth. Because, let me tell you, he didn't know who Ruth was. He heard about her. He was told about her. And I said, we said from who? From God, because God made sure that he was going to hear about her. So I'm going to read this to you again. I'm going to start at verse 8. I said 2 and 8. And it came to pass at midnight that the man was afraid and turned himself and behold a woman lay at his feet now I'm telling you this is Boaz okay and there's a whole little episode that happened before this Naomi uh, it told um, told Ruth to go in to Boaz and do certain things now Ruth is obeying Naomi I'm going to tell you that right now see that's another thing right because this is like her mother and let me tell you about accountability if you can't, uh, and I said this last week, if you can't simply obey your parents as a grown, a grown adult, you won't be accountable in dating. You will not be. See, that's the thing about Ruth. Like I said, she died to self. She went out there like, let me go find a man. No. Her mother said, go do certain things. She said, I'm going to do it. 
She went out there and got to work. I'm going to do it. She, she had died to herself. She wasn't like, I've had sex before. I need to get that appetite filled. Like, like Naomi had said before, you can have children. You can do this and that. No, that wasn't on my mind. On my mind was being accountable to God. Where you go, I will go. Your God will be my God. Your people, my people. That was on Ruth's mind. So I'm going to read this. I'm going to finish reading verse 8 again. It came to pass at midnight that the man was afraid and turned himself. And behold, a woman lay at his feet. And this is Boaz and Ruth. And he said, Who art thou? And, and she answered, I am Ruth, thine handmaid. Spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid, and for thou art a near kinsman. And he said, Blessed be thou of the Lord my daughter, for thou hast showed more kindness in the latter end than in the beginning, inasmuch as thou followest not young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, fear not, I will do to thee all that thou requirest, requirest for, uh, for the city of my people, to know that thou art a virtuous woman. See, so I want to know, how did he know that she was a virtuous woman? See, because a lot of people say, oh, you got to take time to get to know a woman. you got to put your hands on her. you got to do this. you got to do that. you got to go out by yourself. But how did he know? I, I want you to go back to chapter 2, verse 12 real quick. It says, the Lord rep- recompense thy work. And, a full, and this is Boaz. And a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wing thou art come to trust. I, I, that, that's, that's how Boaz knows. He says, oh, because you trust God. <laughs> Under whose wings you've, you've come to trust. Oh, you, you followed your, your mother-in-law. You didn't just stay where you could have went. You went where God wanted you to go. And, and it's so amazing to me because when she followed where God wanted to go again, she ends up marrying Bo, Boaz. And here's the thing about Boaz. So if you go on reading, let me tell you, when somebody is in righteousness, peace, and joy, in the hope, let me tell you, he would not defile Ruth. Let me put it like that. He wouldn't put his hands on Ruth. He did things the right way. What was right in God's life. He tells her, you know what? First off, I think there's another kinsman ahead of me. So we're going to do this the right way because I, I want to do it what, what's right in God's eyes. So let's go see if this other kinsman first is going to redeem you. If not, I will. And let me tell you, he stayed to the end and he did. Boaz redeemed, but he did things the right way. I'm going to tell you, you do things the wrong way, and there's no telling what, what would have happened in that story. But he did things what, he did how, how it was right in God's eyes. Even when she showed up, and underneath him, she didn't t- he didn't touch her. <laughs> he did what was right in God's eyes. And when I say healing and restoration happened, uh, uh, Ruth got a husband. Ruth. Had a child. Listen, Naomi, who was without, listen, God knows what you need in your time and season. He gave her a grandchild. See, restoration and healing is happening to everybody involved. Healed the heart of a woman that lost her husband. And then, like I said, they had a child, Obed, who was the father of, of Jesse, and who was the rider of stem of Jesse? Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus the Christ. See, this is, you see how, listen, your relationships still need to be on purpose. What an awesome guy. The scriptures make it clear we're stronger together. When we're agreed. Because how can two walk together if they're not agreed? So, what this means is, once you get saved, because we said that dating is for the believer, 
Here's what you need to do. You need to get into your local church. You need to get active in the body. You need to do life with the members of your local church. That's what you need to do. That, that's what I mean when I say building kingdom relationships. Do your life with the people of your local church. Uh, no, not everybody in the local church is, is perfect, but I promise you, God has made a way through His church. Do you trust that? He set a standard for the church. Place yourself under the authority of a body of Christ. And then do life with them. When you date within the kingdom, there's boundaries already set by God himself. Uh, by Jesus Christ, the, the living word. See, and that's, that's the comfort, that's the protection of being in the house of the Lord. You know, like Boaz and his boundaries, how he wouldn't, he wouldn't defile Ruth. These are, these are things that are right in God's eyes. This is why you need to do life with your local church. You're not alone together. Turn to First Peter real quick. Because remember, this means we're, remember we're, we're supposed to meet the enemies at the gates of each other's hearts. Let's turn to First Peter chapter 5. First Peter 5, and I'm just going to read verses 8 through 10. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary the devil has a roaring lion walking, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the grace, but the God of all grace, who hath called us into his eternal glory by Jesus, by Christ Jesus, after you, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. Jesus Christ makes you perfect. But together, see how it says in verse nine. It says, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brothers, brethren that are in the world. See. You're not alone. What you go through, your brethren still go through it as well. Jesus Christ felt it as well, but we have to be sober. We have to be vigilant. Listen, we have to allow God to make things beautiful in His time. We have to trust His process of biblical dating. And we have to do this together. We're the ones that encourage each other. I'm telling you, you're not going to get any encouragement from the world. You're going to only be encouraged to sit in your sin. Sit in your lust. And what do we say, what do we say about setting boundaries? There's certain boundaries that in, these, in these relationships that you have to set for yourself. Because the Bible says, can you take fire to your bosom without getting burned? When we're dating, set these boundaries. That's being accountable. We're still talking about being accountable. Set these boundaries. And be clear about these boundaries. And here's the thing about it. If you're in a kingdom relationship, a lot of these boundaries you don't have to be clear about because it's clear in His Word. That's the weeding out process right there. It's clear in His Word. Like I said, boundaries on the way you walk, boundaries on the way you talk, boundaries on the way that you talk to just a, a member of the same sex about the opposite sex. Boundaries on the way that you, you talk to them about them. Oh, you look good. What else? You look sexy. Listen, you tell them you want to have sex with them. And they know it. 
We're talking about building off of righteousness, peace, and joy. Listen, dating, that means we're not going out exclusively. We're going to get to courting. Dating, we're not going out exclusively. God just said, why take fire to your bosom? Knowing you're going to get burned. Why put myself in a position to go out with you by myself? Knowing that I'm going to get burned. Knowing that fire burns me. So boundaries are to help you keep you from getting burned. You shouldn't want to, especially if you're not intending on marrying somebody, you shouldn't want to stir up those type of emotions in somebody. Because now we're starting to, this is when you get into the bread of sorrows. You're stirring up these different emotions. And let me tell you, the human body wants those emotions. They'll feed off those emotions. Especially if you haven't been surrounded yourself with somebody who's rooted and grounded in the Word. All it takes is a little bit. Because your flesh already wants a lot of it. So all it takes is a little bit in your ear. And, and you play with fire and then all of a sudden now you have an appetite for it. <laughs> and we know about appetites. Once you have an appetite, you get cravings. You know, pick your favorite food out. Man, I'm craving. Whatever you cooking after Sunday, after after church today, you were craving it. Have an appetite for it. I know where to go get it. <laughs> I know how much it costs. I know what it takes to. I know how to go get it. You know when you when you crave your appetite for sex, and all of a sudden you've been in this sexual appetite for so long, you know where to go get it. You know who to get it from. You know how to get it because you made a friend of the world. You know who friend to tell you to help you go get it, like Amnon did with Jonadab. Because you become a friend of the world. Playing with fire. And it never amazed, it never ceases to amaze me, you know, later on in life, when after that fire and burn them and they come out and they're all third degree burned up, they're like, but I want something better for my children. Well, you, listen, it's been, the word has gone forth. When you were a child, you grew up in this ministry. So why do I need accountability? Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 27. Proverbs 27. Very, very popular scripture, but it's God's word. It's all popular to me. Chapter 27, verse 17, and I'm going to read through 19. And it says, Iron sharpeneth iron. Why do we need accountability? Iron sharpeneth iron. So man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. See, I, I want my friend to be sharp. I, listen, I don't want him to be accountable to me. I want him to be accountable to God. So I want to sharpen them with the word. I, I don't, listen, I don't even have to necessarily call them out on what they're doing. Because I will as your friend. But I'll just speak the word of God to him. I'll speak truth to him because truth is the only thing that's going to make him change anyway. And then what does it say in verse 18? It says, 
Whoso keepeth the fig tree shall eat the fruit thereof. So he that waiteth on his master shall be honored. See, you know, let me tell you about a fig tree. It's, a tough, it's tough work. It's tough work to keep that up. You know what it's telling you here? Diligence gets the reward. The one who doesn't give up, you get the reward from your master, the Lord. What's that? We're the sons. We're the sons of God. That is the reward. Uh, uh, healing. Restoration. And then it says in verse 19, as in water, as in water face answers to face, so the heart of man to man. You know what that means? That means as you develop and carry a character and you hang around people, the people that you hang around, their character is going to be start being reflected out of them as well. It's like a mirror. It's just like the gospel. You know why? Because the gospel infiltrates all that other, other, other noise. It infiltrates all that other noise. You can see your character that you carry in the developed tempers of others. Because iron sharpens iron. Uh, because righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost is all that we have together, so that's all I see in the other people that I date. The goal is to make each other stronger. Sharpen one another. Uh, not, like I said, not to take over for one another. Not to be responsible for. You're responsible to guide your own self. It's to make each other stronger so that we can stay accountable to God. Look for those with a strong and healthy fear of the Lord. Uh, who's committed to, to Bible study. Who's committed to prayer. Those are the ones that can be humble and gracious when, when they see their brother in the fault. Remember, like I said, considering that we go through the same afflictions, my brother, they can be humble and gracious, but still not let you just sit in your sin. Or their own sin. Let me say this, because we're going to get into court here soon. You're not ready to court until you learn accountability. Every time you go on a, on a date with your friends, you must practice accountability. Uh, you got to date people that are committed to God first. Ones that won't play that game with you. You know, like, oh, we, we all went out in a group, but we all in couples. That, you might as well went out on your own. Not playing that game with you. Ones that won't, won't let you be defiled like Boaz wouldn't do Ruth. Ones that will do what's right in God's eyes. I'm not trying to tell you to be somebody you're not. I'm saying be responsible to, to, to you, who you are as a believer. That's accountability to God. Be responsible to who you are as a believer. See, the world is the one trying to tell you to be somebody you're not. And we're buying into it. And eating the bread of sorrow is like, that's what we're supposed to have. That's not what God has promised us. <laughs> he said, healing is the children's bread. See, you need friends. See, that, that, that Proverbs 27, it says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Uh, 
see, see, that means a friend can say some things that may hurt, but, it, it, but it's truth. I'm not intending to hurt you, but truth sometimes hurts. In that same verse it says, but, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. You know, I love you. Oh, that's a kiss from the enemy. You're sexy. That's a kiss from the enemy. Deceitful. Oh, they care about me. They love me. They throw that word around. No, faithful are the wounds of a friend. They're going to remind you about righteousness. They're going to remind you about peace. They're going to remind you about walking in the Spirit. That's a real friend. A real friend is not trying to get you alone. So to be accountable in the kingdom relationship, you have to be honest with yourself and others. Listen, there's, there's, no, there's no personal accountability without honesty. With yourself. We said it last week, the Bible says, confess your sins to God, but it's not because God, God knows. You need to hear, you need to be honest with yourself. This is what I'm going through. See, once you're honest with yourself, you can be accountable. Then it also says in James to, to confess your faults one to another. Why? Because I'm not, listen, when you, when you come out there and you have an ulterior motive, you don't confess your faults one to another, listen, listen that's not dating properly. Now you're inviting the bread of sorrows with your ulterior motives. No, I need to confess. Listen, I'm not strong in this area. This I can't do. You know what? I have a, and like I said before, don't wait until something happens and then confess. No. See, because remember, iron sharpens iron. How am I going to know where you need to be sharpened if you don't let me know? See, get together with the body of believers and do life. That's doing life. And when you do that, you know, the people in those relationships, like I said before, they're not going to exploit you. They're not going to make fun of you. They're going to go pray for you. They're going to remember that I have these same afflictions, my brother, so I need to pray for you. My sister, so I need to pray for you. I will be there to help, help, help you keep yourself accountable. Whatever you need, I'm part of it. Those are the people you need in your life. Let's turn to 2 Timothy right before we get into courting. Because I want to I read something to you as well here. Because the thing about, like I said, when you, when, you, when you date in the kingdom, it's all about restoration. It's all about purpose. It's all about healing. And that's what God has for his children in every area of your life. So let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. This is another popular scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 2, and I'm going to read 19 through 22. And it says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. I'm talking about his children. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. So let me encourage you guys, because there are some people that are called themselves believers in the house but they're not the vessel of gold. See, that's what I want you to understand as well. Because it's all about you being committed to God. I don't want you blaming another person. It's all about your personal accountability. God says there's going to be some that stand in faith and they come out like gold vessels, but there's going to be some that are not vessels. 
So I want you to be encouraged because a lot of people say, well, there's some people that I've dated in the body of Christ and they've hurt me and I'm going back to what I said before. Yeah, but did you hurt God and stay faithful to God? See, they can't hurt you if you didn't put yourself out there like that. So yeah, there's going to be those vessels and isn't God merciful? He warns us about it. There's going to be those. Because now we're going we're gonna to switch up in the courting here in a second. Verse 19. Let's see. I'm sorry. Iniquity. Uh, verse 21. I'm sorry. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared, for every, prepared unto every good work. I, let me tell you. A marriage is a sanction. A sanctioned marriage by God is a good work. <laughs> because it speaks of Christ purpose that's a good work but you have to listen you have to be that goat you have to be a vessel of honor in the church you have to be an example in the church of the believer in your word in your conversation in your charity your expression of love in spirit in your faith in purity you know what purity is it's keeping yourself keeping yourself for who for your wife your husband no for God Keep myself pure so I can be, listen, I can, I'm meet for his use. What did it say? Verse 20. Yes, 21. And meet for the master's use. See, if you're in a godly marriage, you're meet for the master's use. He can use that marriage. Why? To, get, to bring him glory. But you have to purge yourself. What it says in 21, you have to subdue. <laughs> you have to have dominion. You have to dress and to keep all the Lord has brought to you. Even dating. Even your relationships. 22 says, flee also youthful lust. Follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Who is them? Who is them? He's saying, do it with the body of believers. How many times does he have to say it? That them there, that's a strong word. Practice it with them. Why? Because iron sharpens iron. Because healing is your bread. Hallelujah. Amen. Second Timothy, I'm going to read verse three, uh, chapter 3 as well, verse 1 through 7, before I get into quoting. And it also says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontin- that truth breakers, let me tell you, uh, uh, covenant breakers too, that's in there as well. False accusers, incontinent, fierce, despises those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. See, and that's it right there. That's what we're seeing nowadays. Everybody loves pleasure more than they love God. (laughs) Having a form of godliness. See, because he's still talking about the so-called church. There's some people in there that act having having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. He said, hey, 
Don't date those. Don't be don't be yoked with those. Turn away. And, and it's, it's so, cause I, I'm telling you, it's just like Boaz. You can watch and see who's trusting in the Lord. You can see that. You can see that. It's evident. Everything else is just an excuse. So, let's move into courting here. I want to first t- talk about what is the difference between dating and courtship. So, as we know, dating doesn't involve a commitment between two people. Not like that. Not a commitment. Not between two individuals. That, that's simply getting to know each other around righteousness, peace, and joining the Holy Ghost. Now, you need to keep that in courting, but this is not between two different people. Now, when you date somebody in a kingdom relationship, if you're dating in a group, I'm going to definitely tell you this. Who you court needs to come from that pool of people. Plain and simple. Why would you go outside of who you've been dating around, around righteousness, peace, and joining the Holy Ghost, and pick somebody outside of that to court now? Mm-mm. Courting comes from that pool of people that you've been dating biblically. biblically. That's, who you, that's who you choose from. Now, courtship, on the other hand, that's developing intimacy between a potential couple by means of an intentional friendship guided by God through prayer, uh, through your parents, and through your spiritual authority. I'm going to say that again. Courtship is developing intimacy between a potential couple by means of an intentional friendship guided by God through prayer, your parents, and your spiritual authority. That's why you have to be in a, in a local church. This is why you have... Uh, like this right now, this is premarital class. That's being guided by your spiritual... That means you have to show up. So, some guys tell girls that they're pursuing, pursuing them and that they're courting them. But I'm going to tell you this courting is more than just stand up late on a night, on a phone call, whispering sweet nothings. It's way more than that. Listen, you have to be intentional in every movement you make. And when I say intentional, you have to go to God about it first. Because now we're talking about for a lifetime. Remember what marriage is for? It's for a lifetime. You have to be very intentional. In your actions, you have to have a persistent effort in putting God first in everything. So what is biblical courting? This is when a man and a woman who are in a kingdom relationship already, I'm going to say that again, this is when a man and a woman who are in a kingdom relationship already seek to determine if marriage is in God's plan for them. Uh, Both are rooted and grounded in God's purpose and desire a spiritual and intimate growth, specifically with the person that God has for them. You see, I didn't call that person the one that got with the person that, because this is what courting is. We're, we're trying to see if marriage is in God's plan for us, because it's all about His purpose. It's not about what I think, it, what I, what I think I want. It's not about if I did it wrong in the past. It's not about my past appetites. So I'm going to say it again. This is when a man and a woman who are in a kingdom relationship already seek 
to determine if marriage is in God's plan for them. Both are rooted and grounded in God's purpose and desire a spiritual and intimate growth specifically with the person that God has for them. Now, with these last couple minutes, I'm just going to go down a, a list that I made of how you know that you're really courting. These are the signs. And the first one, is, is, the first one opens it wide, wide up. A man that has been built up with a kingdom relationship will first off express his intentions. Oh, you, you know how you know you're courting? Because he expresses his intentions. Now everything's out the window. He expresses his intentions. Uh, communication is key. Uh, so you can't just uh, whisper a sweet nothing to a girl, give her butterflies or something, and then all of a sudden assume recording. Nope. Communication is key. Uh, courtship is something directly expressed. I'm not playing games with it. Remember, this is for a lifetime. When you assume that somebody's courting you, that's the trap. That's, the, that's what leads to the sin. That's what opens the door. You've got to be clear and intentional. Uh, then number two, with that clear and intentional, uh, uh, he has permission from your family and your spiritual authority. Ooh, they don't like that. I'm a grown man, right? I'm a, I don't need to ask nobody. Uh, well, God said, do everything, do life with the family. You too grown for God? Let me tell you who else was too grown for God. And you know where he is. Uh, serious courtship involves asking permission from parents. Letting spiritual authority know. You know why? Because spiritual authority can see some things. God has spoke to them. Uh, it's not quite time for this. I see the bread of sorrows in the near future. If, if a person's intention is to, if your intention is to get married, you have to involve your parents in spiritual authority. If not, you're doing it wrong. You just step a step, take a step back and reevaluate. You're hiding something. It, it shows your seriousness. It shows your commitment. It shows your accountability to God. It, it shows your accountability to your covenant with God. got to be, listen, we got to be accountable to God first and not our feelings. Another way that you know that you're really courting is that you, you do more than just talk on social media or text. Let's keep it real, right? See, because these are the games you have to notice. I'm telling you, these are little things, that, signs that you need to watch before the bread of sorrow show up. They're hiding something. Listen, courting means I'm not to physically make an effort. <laughs> you can't just be a virtual, a virtual, a virtual courtship. You can't practice. Listen, you can't give it to God virtually only. Uh, here's a real simple one. They don't court anyone else in the process. <laughs> it's real simple, but everybody, it's real prevalent in today's world. That's why 
interpretation is real clear. You need to have it real clear at this point. That's why I never assume you're, you're courting somebody. Because then you're talking about they hurt me. They did this. They did that. Listen, if we're courting this between you and me, let me help you too as well. Even if there's no guarantee that you're going to get married. Uh, commit yourself to that person while you're courting. Because remember, we're trying to see if this is God's plan for us. So I'm going to do it righteously. I'm going to do it with peace. I'm going to do it with joy in the Holy Ghost. Here's another thing. Um, for men, I'm going to say. He's going to visit you at home. And when I say visit you at home, I mean your parents' home. <laughs> Let me tell you. He's going to, listen, we don't always have to go out just me and you. Let's go to your parents' house. Let me bring some food over there to your parents' house. Why? Because it shows your parents that, first off, I'm going to keep your, your daughter safe. I'm not trying to have her out somewhere where she can compromise who she is in the Lord. It also shows them that, you know what? I love her. Not only that, but I'm in it with your family as well. I brought stuff over. It, here's a little bit as well. When you bring little gifts, it shows that, you know what? I, I'm getting myself prepared to take care of your daughter as well. See, this is courting we're talking about. Not just your dates. You know, people go out on dates now and they're like, let me go get a carnation. This is my girl. Listen, we're talking about purpose. So can we go on solo dates in this phase? So I'm going to tell you this. Courting is a little bit different. You want to build some intimacy. There are times that you desire to be alone. But listen, you need to question yourself before you do any of those things. Question yourself, really. And then if you question and find yourself, I want to be alone because I want to do this with this person. I want to do that with this person. Ask yourself, is this and that something that you would do in front of your parents or her parents? Because if it's not, you need to make arrangements to where you're not putting yourself in that position. However you make those arrangements. Because now you have your spiritual authority involved, which means your church family is involved. You have your parents involved. So there's plenty of arrangements that can be made. I, I was talking to, to Deacon Burris the other day, and he was talking about how when, when he was dating Sister Burris, guess what? Either her, it was her sister, was always, listen, they, they somewhere near because we're not going to allow you to do that. You know why? It's not because we're trying to keep it from that because that's righteous in the confines of marriage. But we're trying to keep you from the bed of sorrows. So make the arrangements to keep yourself accountable to who? To God. Just like Boaz did. I'm going to keep myself accountable to God and I'm going to wait and see if this kingdom is going to redeem you first. Because I'm doing what's right in God's eyes first. So, also another one of the list is that you're going to be courting each other's families. You have to make a serious effort to win the hearts of their family. You have to work hard to keep their trust. If you truly want to be in covenant with this person, you can't do anything that will turn the hearts of the family against you. You know, like, like we said in the body of, you know, hurting somebody. Listen, you got to think about... You got to think about these people. This is the body of Christ. These are, these are your brothers and sisters. You got to consider their family. The other person's family shouldn't have to worry about their son or their daughter getting hurt by you. 
not in a kingdom relationship. If you're in a relationship where you got hurt, I guarantee you some unkingdom things didn't happen. What do they they call them nowadays? Uh, entanglements. If you're hurt, there's been some entanglements that shouldn't have happened. Be accountable and faithful to God. Ooh, and I am out of time. Let me see. I may just go ahead and finish up. Yeah, let me just finish here. So a couple other things is that he or she, if you're courting, they're going to respect the physical boundaries set by God's standards. See, that's the thing about it. You, you don't have to say, if you're in a situation, you're saying, no, don't put your hand there. You've already disrespected the boundaries set by God. And you're not ready to court. Because you're ready to break covenant already before you even got to covenant. Uh, another thing is, they're going to pray for you. And it's so amazing to me, right? This is what you got to. This is what you got to know. If they're trying to pray with you after the fact, you start courting. There's a different motivation. That's why I said a kingdom relationship. There's prayer in, in, in the Bible is already involved already. They'll pray for you. Not this, oh, we need to pray. Hey, hold my hands. Ooh, your hands. None of that game. Let's go by ourselves and pray. That's another, that's another game, too. Oh, he's going to pray for you. Seriously, he or she, they're going to pray for you. That's a sign that you're seeking wisdom for your relationship. And I don't want to go into any relationship with anybody that's not seeking wisdom from God first. That's courting. Both of you should be prayerful. And then lastly, I'm going to stop here, is that they're willing to wait for you. <laughs> That's another test of courting. You know what it is? It's called the test of time. <laughs> these, these signs, the signs that I told you before, they're only a barometer to see how serious one is in courtship. However, not everyone's willing to endure to the end. That test of time. Look, if after many months or even years, they can't stick around... If they moved off because something else has showed itself available, then it's not true love. Because, as we all know, true love waits. <laughs> it doesn't rush you through the seasons of your life, through dating or courting. True love allows God to make things, allows, it gives God room to make things beautiful in His time. So if you've done relationships and dating and courting wrong in the past, it's okay. We're in the dispensation of grace. We're his children and healing is the children's bread. We can be restored. We have time to be effective in his purpose for us. Forget the past mistakes. Look, Remember the lessons, but forget the mistakes and move forward. Operate out of righteousness. Operate out of peace and out of joy in the Holy Ghost and watch God work in your life. Amen? You can be dismissed, my family. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net. Thank you.